Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome back, folks. It is a Monday here on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming. Big news just dropped. 704-570-9610. Frank Reich will be giving up play calling responsibilities to Thomas Brown. And I know that I spoke about this before when he took the job. I was wondering, you know, what was the method? Why couldn't he just be the primary day caller from day one? But now you get your chance. It's your show now. And so uh, one question I had to kick off the conversation, too. Do you think that Frank Reich feels the heat maybe not necessarily that he feels in his heart of hearts that he could get fired but do you feel like that this is a move to say hey you know i don't know which way this thing's gonna go so let's go ahead and get you some reps man as the primary play caller so you can knock out some tape no the reason i don't think that Mm -hmm. because i think that puts entirely too much power in frank reich making this decision Mm -hmm. come on now i just can't buy into the head coach being the one that decided you know what I'm going to give up play calling, especially everything he said. Mm-hmm. This feels like David Tepper move, man. Mm, okay. Feels like David Tepper going into a bye week after an 0-6 start, after the offense doesn't look good. If we think that David Tepper has his fingerprints all over the entire operation, even the parts that he shouldn't be affecting as much, including, in my opinion, deciding who should call plays for this team, it does feel like, the owner has his hands in this decision, especially when Frank Reich is telling us, yeah, we got meetings every Monday or Tuesday. And <laughs> after an 0-6 star heading into the bye week, after what? You get this week off, right? Like, so you're talking about normal bye week schedule. It's going to be a little bit different than what your normal routine is through the first six weeks of the regular season. Yeah, man, I'm sure David Tepper, if not forcing this entirely, was heavily suggesting it to the point where maybe it does circle back around to the first part of your point. Yeah, he was feeling the pressure on this so much because David Tepper was directly applying it. This is what my opinion is on why now, after six weeks, they decided to give responsibility to Thomas How frustrating is that if that's the case, that the owner is pulling strings like that uh, behind the scenes to make such a football-centric decision like that? It's frustrating to me. Yeah. I don't want it. I don't know if this does David Tepper have the kind of resume that suggests he knows what's best for this team in terms of who should be calling the plays. That's very X's and O's, very football mindset driven. Mm-hmm. This isn't who's going to be the face of your franchise, who you're going to select at QB, even though I would say that should be the GM making that decision first and foremost too, right? Mm-hmm. But you could understand a little bit more so as to why the owner would want this player over another same thing with the Charlotte Hornets selecting this player over another at number two, when you have that big of a decision to make, then I could see why the owner would want to dictate, you know, at least suggest what way you should be headed. But with the play calling duties, who should be calling those plays? Yeah. Look, a lot of people agree. A lot of people want Thomas Brown to be calling the plays. So everybody's going to be happy about this. People might even commend David Tepper for forcing this decision if it is indeed David Tepper forcing this decision. But 
it's still not the process that I like and how a team is run. That's not anything that I want my franchise to be about going forward. All right, man. Well, this is certainly going to be a hot topic this week. We're going to get more and more into it as like the, the stove unfold. But now it is time to go to the campus. Coda. All right, college football this weekend. Not a sterling slate of games, but still a lot of questions starting to get answered. And so we're going to start it out like we do every Monday, man. Let's get this overarching view of the weekend kicked off. Who's your biggest local winner? It could be a player or it can be a team. Yo, I'm, it's North Carolina for me. Now, they played a little bit too much at the end of this game. They still won by 10. It was like, uh, can we feel good? It was hilarious to hear Sean McDonough continue to just say, hey, they're about to go 6-0. and It was very matter-of-fact when there were still plausible scenarios to see how Miami could come back, especially after what happened with Miami the previous week. But no, it's North Carolina. And Wes, it's not even the fact that they got the victory and the way that they were able to put up 41 points. It's how they did it where Drake May, certainly early on, was not connecting. The completion percentage has been there for Drake May all season long. Over 70% of his passes completed, and he's throwing the ball downfield. It's been astonishing. He was throwing the ball downfield in this game, but he wasn't connecting at a high rate at the beginning, and then he started to. The real big win, even if you want to go to head coaching figure, player, whatever, it's North Carolina, and then it's Mac Brown, and then it's Tez Walker. That guy is a difference maker. He told you that this is somebody that can come in, and now that he has an understanding of the offensive playbook, get behind the defense that he did. He's a great athlete. We got to see him really contribute. I thought North Carolina was the biggest winner because they beat a top 25 ranked team. They should have been undefeated if Mario Cristobal just kneels the kneels it in the previous loss to Georgia Tech. And it seems like they have a real difference maker. Drake May in the second half specifically was very good. I thought they were the biggest local winner. All right. Well, since you picked three different things, I'm going to go in a different direction because you took one of mine when you said Tez Walker. I was going to say Tez Walker was the biggest one. Damn. No, it's all good. <laughs> so I'll go in a different direction, though. I think the Duke Blue Devils coming out. Granted, Henry Beelan did not play splendid, but the weather got crazy. The rain started pouring. But they came out against a feisty NC State team that had a lot of uh, goodwill coming for them during the game. Yeah, after scoring 40-plus versus Marshall, I know State fans thought that they had found their offensive savior. They had found the offense that they had been looking for that they thought they would get under Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong. Henry Beelan hits a big pass early to Jalen Calhoun, who finally looked like the Jalen Calhoun that I thought that we would see this season with that 69-yard touchdown also ran a punt back. They got called back as well, but Duke came out, manhandled NC State after they made the early turnover, ran for 194 yards as a team. Jordan Waters had 123 yards rushing. Uh, MJ Morris held, got an interception off of him, and this Duke defense, they were just dominant. Uh, that's all you can say. They held State to 415 on third downs, and so also, too, when you go look at this Blue Devils defense, man, they just get after you. Three sacks, eight tackles for loss. As I said, the aforementioned interception. So they just really came out and had a really dominant performance against an NC State team that a lot of people thought that this game could go either way. 
with no Riley Leonard. I should have gone full B Rabbit and just taken away you Duke Trebia as well. Did you I should have Duke in this team. And should have. I should have. I should have left you with absolutely nothing. Where you had to choose a Wake Forest player for like the best right. thing. I should just left you with absolutely nothing. Yeah. But you are right. Duke is the other one. Man, just a nice performance from a team without a really good starting quarterback. Yes. That defense. You talk about looking ahead at the schedule. North Carolina. They've got an easier month this upcoming month. The rest of the three games that they have. And then after that, that's when the schedule starts to get a little tougher. But, man, that Duke-North Carolina game, whoo, buddy. That is going to be a lot of fun with North Carolina not scoring anything less than 30. Yeah. And Duke's defense, which is 110,000% legit. I can't wait for that matchup at the end of the season. All right, biggest local loser. I'll start it out. My Demon Deeks, man. Listen, you go up to Blacksburg, 262 yards of offense, 19 rushing yards. And Coach Clawson, after the game, from those uh, quotes that he had, he just sounds like a man at a loss for words with this program as far as where they're headed. Mitch Griffiths, 77 yards passing, an interception, turnovers. Kern comes in there. Michael Kern comes in. 166 yards, but the offense just not moving. Taylor Moran has a big drop in the back of the end zone that maybe could have changed the face of that game. They give up 462 total yards in that game. And uh, the Deeks, man, just struggling right now. I don't see where the wins are going to come from looking at the rest of this schedule. If this offense is going to continue to play that way, I mean, I would be remiss not to bring up the fact that the Wake Forest offensive line surrendered. Seven sacks. And 14 tackles for losses. I would be crying in my locker if I had, if we had that kind of game because I would know what practice is about to look like after you get beat down like that. They can't block anybody. Just not dynamic at the quarterback position. Wake's going to have to hit the portal in a major way. I wish I'd hit the lottery because I would be out there throwing bags around like the Joker in the first <laughs> Batman, Jack Nicholson on the float, just throwing money around the city, telling the high school recruits to line up to come to win. Look, there are two teams to choose from locally. <laughs> if you just want to go within the conference, right? I don't know how local Louisville is, but they're in the ACC. We yes. could be going with Louisville, and I think that would make some sense. But I still think it's even Wake Forest. Because, yeah, I understand, right? Louisville, they lose to Pittsburgh. That's a bad loss. Pittsburgh has been absolutely awful this entire season. You're transitioning to a different quarterback, so they even have some new to deal with in Pittsburgh. And that offense only puts up 21 points against the Panthers. The rushing attack, they did not have nearly the type of day that they have had before with a guy like Jawar Jordan. Jake Plummer threw for, Jack Plummer, excuse me. Sorry, Jake the Snake. <laughs> but Jack Plummer threw for 350, but those couple of interceptions, that's going to hurt you. That's a bad loss. All that to say, they're still 6-1 and one and ranked, okay? Wake Forest is winless in the conference. Their only win that they have against a Power 5 opponent is Vanderbilt, and that was the second game against in, in the season. Wake Forest has Pittsburgh on the other side. Now, maybe the Panthers have this letdown after an emotional win, which I would say it's an emotional win to beat a top 25 team the way that they are playing. But, man, Wake Forest, Mitch Griffiths, I don't know how much you can believe in them, and I did. I, I just took it for granted. Both this is what Wake Forest does. They have a really good quarterback, and then they move on, and then they bring in another really good quarterback. I don't know about first-round pick, but somebody that is going to be very respectable. But, man, I was shocked to go to our lovely website and PFF.com, <laughs> go to the college football rankings, and Wes C. before this game, he was in the 250s? He's been that bad. Yeah. College, and that's – you play even somewhat average. You're going to get a decent rank. 
and he has not been playing very well. So I, that's that's the biggest disappointment for me in really the first six games or so of ACC teams. It's watching Wake Forest struggle as much as they have. All right, really quick. I know we're up against it. I give you my biggest national winner and loser, my biggest national winner. Uh, I'm going to go individual and a team, the Washington Huskies. Michael Penix comes out there. I think now he is the Heisman front runner with the gain that he had, 302 yards, four touchdowns through the go-ahead touchdown in that football game with 138 left before Oregon missed the kick. Dan Lanning has taken a lot of flack for uh, some of the coaching decisions made late in that game. And my biggest loser, as I said in the rundown, I would never, ever, 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 ever word to Chris Tucker Uh-oh. say that anybody will win the Heisman Trophy back-to-back seasons ever again. Caleb Williams has made me lose all hope in a back-to-back Heisman winner after his three-interception performance in South Bend. No, it was a bad one. No doubt about it. <laughs> I can't go anywhere. I mean, with the scene, Washington, it was lit. Michael Penix, like, come on. Lit. that That's the biggest winner. Anything else would just be fabricated, so I can't do that to you. I do have one other contender for Biggest Loser. Okay. What about Colorado? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean... Yeah. Starting to wear off a little bit. <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's too fair. Like I still feel a little dirty mentioning their name as biggest loser because we had a lot of hope for them after their first game. But remember coming into this season, there were lots of three win predictions, but man, you can't drop that kind of deficit. You can't. And then allow no. what was it like two hundred and what, what almost three hundred yards receiving to the to Stanford's number one receiver late on Friday night. I actually was checking my updates and watching that game even going into like two uh, two a.m. on the East Coast because of Colorado allowing Stanford to come back in it. Just the way that they lost. Yeah, man, Colorado, big old loser this weekend. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I recorded the rest of that game because I fell asleep on it. I woke up, was shocked that they lost the game. Watched the rest of it from about mid fourth quarter. How they allowed that kid, I forget what his name was, Woo! from Stanford that had uh, 13 catches for 290 yards, to continually, In the second half to continually catch slants <laughs> over and over and over and over again. I could keep saying over into the next break, but I won't do that. <laughs> Coming back, we're going to get back into more Carolina Panthers business. This Scott Fitterer, get it all wrong, that and more on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, you're listening to 92.7 WFNZ. Told y'all about the news reported within half an hour ago, I should say. Thomas Brown will now be your play caller 
moving forward for this Carolina Panther offense. Tom Pelissero had it first that Frank Reich was giving up play calling duties heading into the bye week for the Carolina Panthers. We want to hear your thoughts on it. 704-570-9610 again. The number is 704-570-9610. So I started jotting down some pros and cons with this move here, Wes, and let's see if you agree with me, all right? Okay. All right, let's go to the pros first because we want to give you the good, man. Let's go to the pros. A pro is Reich can focus a little bit more on operations as a whole, which I think that's a generic pro for any head coach that decides to give up play calling duties. Now you can worry a little bit more on game management. Now you can worry a little bit more. Maybe you can divide your time a little more. Hey, is this group taking care of what they need to? Is this group taking care of what they need to rather than focusing on a game plan just yourself where you are the one that, all right, now I got to get the play calling in order. Thomas Brown is still helping with that, by the way, right? Like this, he's an offensive coordinator. He's not a play caller until now, but he was an offensive coordinator and he had a heavy influence. Frank Reich would tell you that he had a heavy influence on the game plan coming in. Reich just decided when to deploy those plays. But now it's going to be Thomas Brown. He gets to focus on operations as a whole. The second one I'll end with before you comment is you do have an easier schedule. So if you're talking about handing over responsibility now to Thomas Brown, it's not like, hey, Thomas, the first four games didn't go well. Now you got to keep up with Detroit. Now you got to keep up with Miami. Good luck. Now it's a little more manageable. Houston is not a gimme game. In fact, they're, they might just be a good football team. Just a downright good old football team. But they're not Miami. They're also not Detroit. Chicago, they're not a good football team. Okay, I know they flirted with beating Minnesota, but we know that that's not a great football team. And so Thomas Brown gets to has have his second game against them, Indianapolis as well, which that's not what you had as a gauntlet at the beginning of the season. Those are a couple of pros. Reich gets to focus on the operation as a whole. And if you are going to give away the duties now, Wes, this schedule does get a lot easier with a buy built in instead of having to face some of the tough teams you had the last couple of weeks. I agree with you on both fronts. I mean, obviously, it's uh, natural that once you give up a big responsibility like play calling and all of the planning and film watching and all of the preparation that goes into that is definitely going to free him up to be able to do other things. And so uh, I think that helps. And then I'm with you 100% as far as the schedule goes as well. Uh, It's an advantageous slate as far as just quality of opponent. I mean, these aren't going to be gimme games by any stretch of the imagination. There, there's still, not such a thing for the Panthers. Yeah, there's not. Not at all. <laughs> when you're old for nothing is a gimme. Okay. But uh, these are teams that, are struggling football teams as well. Now, Houston, like I said, they're playing good football. But when you talk Indianapolis and Chicago, right before you get to uh, Dallas, then uh, these are some football teams that are, I think, suitable to test out a new offensive coordinator. And especially a bye week, you can get in uh, some of the main things that he wants to be able to do and really get the team prepared and acclimated to their new offensive coordinator. Yeah, Ashby from Lancaster. Lancaster, sorry, Fiddy. Mm-hmm. Ashby from Lancaster said, don't do that, man. Already coming up with excuses for Frank. Poor excuse for a head coach. We need a coach like Robert Sala, Mike Vrabel, Steve Wilkes. 
and Dan Campbell. I don't know if I'm. I'm yeah, I've got, okay. You know, I mean, they did. He's embarrassing. They got a big win QBs. <laughs> Robert Sala told you that they've played a lot of good QBs and they've embarrassed hey, all of them. No lies told there. Um, I don't know if I'm creating any excuses for Frank Reich. I'm saying these are pros for Thomas Brown to come in and handle play calling duties. You know, at this sometimes point. the fans, the Texas, they can get a little, you know. Off the beaten path. Um, let's move on to a couple of other texts. 704-570-9610. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Nate Dog, love the name. Nate Dog said he doesn't have to micromanage the plays anymore. Um, we do have 980 asking a question here, Wes. Are mm-hmm. we comfortable saying that the Panthers have the best QB in the division? I, there's a lot of people that don't think they have a good QB, just plain and simple. <laughs> We got 980 asking if they have the best one in the division. That goes a little bit to our point, though, at the beginning of the show, saying they have not been good down there in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And Atlanta, that offense that looked like it was going to be the number one rushing attack. Desmond Ritter runs hot and cold, but, man, it's not anybody that you can trust by any means. Yeah, no, I would still, uh, you know, go car right now, even though because that offensive line in New Orleans, they need help with that as well. I think Bryce has still got a little bit more to go. Uh, before we can give them that title, I mean, but none of the quarterbacks that you speak of are just playing exemplary football. There's nobody I don't think that's going to be uh, on a Pro Bowl roster uh, this season as well. And then, you know, Baker Mayfield, they got smashed yesterday just when you look at his numbers yep. on the surface. I mean, seven touchdowns and three picks. He's playing decent football too, but uh, they've got a winning record, uh, as do the other teams in this division. So I think that for right now, no, but I think certainly – what time he will be. Okay. We got to a couple of pros. There are still some out there. You can give me some pros and cons as well if you want to on the text line. The other cons that immediately came to my mind, one, it's it's the obvious one. How much changes? Because you still have a rookie QB that's about to play his sixth game in the NFL because Andy Dalton started against Seattle. So you have a rookie QB still. You have Adam Thielen as the only weapon you're really afraid of in the passing game. Mm -hmm. You have an offensive line that has not been good by any stretch. They protected for him a little bit in the first quarter. And then you got to see Bradley Chubb still get some pressure. Christian Wilkins interior. I'll tell you this. I called that. I picked him up. Yeah, I I hate it. We have an individual defensive player in fantasy football in one of my leagues. I was like, I'm going with Wilkins. I don't trust interior offensive protection with this team. And what does Wilkins do? Create pressure and gets home. Fire celebrations as well. Fire celebrations for Christian Wilkins. Honestly, I would expect no different from him. That dude is a character and a half. He is. A hundred percent. But we know that this interior offensive line, I don't expect it to get better. I, I thought Bradley Bozeman actually did some nice things in the run game in the first quarter. But we know that's always been a strong suit compared to his pass protection. So if Thomas Brown takes over... Now against what we'll consider weaker competition, especially compared to the last two games, and nothing gets truly fixed, let's say we see Bryce Young continue to show accuracy but not go for more than 250 yards. Adam Thielen is still getting 15 targets and 11 receptions for 110 yards, and Chuba Hubbard is giving you 80 rushing yards like we just saw against Miami. You get the point. What if this doesn't change here, Wes? That's my first con that I have. Yeah, then the optics are going to look terrible, and it's going to really look like a franchise that has no clue what they're doing. If you bring them in and a play call, and it's still very similar, and nothing's changing as far as production is concerned. And that's not to say Thomas Brown is going to come in here and flip a switch, and they're going to be dropping 35 to 40 on people every single week. But people want to see, I think, when you look at it in its totality, four to five plays a game in a given football game to see a difference as far as 
philosophy? Are you going to come out and maybe you don't necessarily turn into Mike McDaniels and have your quarterback spinning one way and then spinning back the other way and throwing it or faking a sneak and throwing it in the backfield? But I think there are going to be four to five plays that fans are going to want to point to and say that's the difference with him calling these plays. This is the difference if he can get receivers that can get that separation and do what needs to be done, an offensive line that can give the requisite time, this offense can look more dynamic. Because if you're the Panthers right now, that's the goal that you're at at this point. You want to become more dynamic. And in this NFL, that's what you have to be. And that's got to be your goal. And I know as the offseason approaches, we'll get into it and when the offseason comes. But that's where we're at with this Panthers offense. They're not very dynamic right now really anywhere I mean Thielen's been very productive but he's not dynamic none of these receivers uh even when they do make plays nobody's dynamic and that's the point you want to get to as an offense in this league can you be dynamic can you apply pressure from different positions down in and down out do you have the offensive coordinator that identifies those mismatches and exploits them on a regular basis that's the type of players and that's the type of philosophy you have to have to win in today's NFL um, another con that I have, I actually don't think this is going to happen, but Thomas Brown, real disciplined dude. You can hear it in his press conferences, like kind of a no BS type of guy. Really like the way that at least he talks about offense. And I, I think he's got the respect of everybody. A lot of people have respect for a 37 year old Sean McVay system, former running back, a good one at Georgia as well. I'm excited about that. Is there any worry about him emptying the clip too soon? So if you have all of these plays in order to be dynamic. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, all right, I got to come out firing because what else do I do? Right. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and do it against Houston where you see the reverses, lots of LaVisca, you know, next game against Indianapolis, right? Like, and then you have maybe a three game stretch where you look pretty good, but then the schedule gets tough again. And so now, as you mentioned, you got Dallas and then you have tougher, even Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee is not going to be a walkover. We know about Tampa Bay's defense. We know about new Orleans defense. You know, is that something that happens where you might look good the first three games? We get a little bit of a reprieve, or excuse me, a relief, I should say. I don't, yeah, wrong word. But you get a little bit of a relief in the middle of the season. And then afterwards, it's like, whew, buddy, now the defense is starting to bear down on him. We already made the change. Now it's firing time, and we'll see how that happens at the end of the season. I think at this point, Thomas Brown's playing with house money because the identity of this Panthers team has been established. We know the offensive line isn't very good. We know that uh, the receivers, like I said, Thielen's been making plays, but other than that, you're not dealing with a fantastic group of pass catchers. Your running backs, like you said, Chuba's been coming in running hard. He's not dynamic, but he runs hard, and he gets you tough yards. And so the thing that you want to look at now is, yeah, I think the fans at this point – I don't think that they care if he calls a well-designed play and it doesn't work. I think fans just want to see that it's a well-designed play that they're like, oh, if he had better personnel, this will probably work. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because at this point, you know what they are. Like, you just want to see some creativity. You want to see something that fits into the mold of today's NFL. I keep using that term today, today's NFL, but I think that's what the fans want to see at this point because I know now if you're calling them in terrible situations, like if you're sitting at third and 16 and you want to run some type of double reverse pass or something crazy or something that's just completely out of place for situational football, fans might give you a little bit of the side eye uh, with that one. But other than that, I think I think he's playing with house money, and I think fans just want to see uh, creativity uh, on that side of the ball. And um, also, you know, stop giving LaVisca Chenault the ball on reverses, too. That's uh, another. Oh, you don't like that. I, I thought we did like that. I, I just think he's 
again, I just keep pointing to the word dynamic. I just think he's he's a slow receiver. Wait, but we like this at the beginning. Ball. That was a praise of him. I, well, I, That's I, it. This is the first game I think we're saying that. I feel like he runs hard. You know what I'm saying? And, and there were some plays he had last year where he gave a little bit of uh, – he established some attitude as far as the physicality that he runs with. But it's just, man, you know, after White keep handing the ball, he's getting four yards, three yards. It's like, come on, man. Like, what are you doing here? Like wh- wh- why? Like what skill? What of his skill set makes them feel like they need to continually try to work him in? I guess is what I'm saying. Man, I'm the reason I'm surprised about this mm-hmm. because I feel like if, I feel like we had conversations about they need to implement more Lavisca, and now after this game, it's the exact opposite. Where it seems like you're pretty disgusted of more yeah, Lavisca. Like they they kept doing. I'm like, why are they trying? So to Miami's involved? it. Like Miami, that was the final <laughs> straw. It feels very one game sample size. No, for, it's just kind of because we loved what he did against Detroit, where you're implementing him in the red zone, picks up seven yards, sets him out well, for. I said it. It was good as far as play design goes, but as far as the actual player that you're trying to get said plays for, like nah. Nah. Like nah, okay. Yeah, like, like just nah. you just want a different player in there and there's six receiver. Okay, give him the ball. I'm just I mean, asking. I'm just I'm I'm yeah, honestly nah. surprised. I'm give just me surprised. Something like if you had a Tank Dell, so to speak, you know, you give him them those kind of plays. Well, they don't, Wes. Or if you if you're gonna be a big <laughs> guy, you got to break tackles like Debo. I wish I wish they did. Lavisca runs hard. Yeah, I, he does. He runs hard, but, but I'm not. No, he's not. He's not gonna you know cut on a dime or anything like that. No doubt. <laughs> I, and no doubt about it. I'm just surprised to see the the Lavisca take there. Um, another one, real quickly. Another pro I'll say about handing the reins over to Thomas Brown. If you were always going to do it this season, which I'm not so sure, Frank Reich. If things are working out well for the offense, then you don't change anything. So it doesn't mean that this was always going to happen. But if you at some point, we're going to do it after an 0-4 start. You might as well just go ahead and do it now, especially with the bye week, right? Like, if if it was always going to happen after you get to this checkpoint in your 0-4, the offense looks atrocious, then it does make sense if you are forced to do it, to do it at the very beginning of the bye week so that Thomas Brown can get ready as much as possible before you have Houston, Indianapolis, and Chicago on the schedule for the next three games. Yeah, uh, I was completely lost in what you just said. Please I know you were. Again. You were laughing. You I was didn't. reading the text line. Okay, what? Just tell me what, what you, you just said us? again. What'd you say again? <laughs> I was just saying if you're all if you were always going to hand over the responsibility mm-hmm. to Thomas Brown, it makes sense that the day into a bye week would be the time to do it, so he's as ready as possible before yeah. you get to these next three. Yeah, days. no doubt about it. Uh, I'm with you 100% on that because also there are going to be some differences because you know there are some things that Thomas Brown was, you know, he's got in the clip, so to speak, that he's been waiting to unleash. And he's, you know, he it might have been some plays that he went over with Frank and maybe Frank didn't like it or different things like that. But there are some things that I feel like he has in his stash that he was waiting for this day. And so I think that when you do get that bye week, he will get a chance to implement some of that stuff get some of those guys up to speed on some of the differences that he wants because I'm sure there's differences. Otherwise, why do you bring them in? There's got to be some differences in Thomas Brown's philosophy, how he wants to do things, and I am and I would assure you he's got some plays that when he's looked at how this offense works together in unison, that he's had some plays that he feels like could possibly work that maybe they, they, they haven't been implemented or maybe he's just been waiting for that chance for him to be the primary guy. And so that's going to be an interesting part of this well as well. And I think this is a great week to do it. Is there anything on the text line you wanted to share? What was funny? 
What you have for us? No, it's not anything that's funny. I was reading some of the responses people had with Chenault. Man, you know, the brain works funny sometimes. You get focused on one thing, and then it's like everything else. No, I'm at, like Chenault is, yeah. Yeah, people saying stuff about Chenault and also uh, about Thomas Brown calling the plays or whatever. And a lot of people are agreeing with you saying that Tepper uh, made this move that they feel like. And then there's people who are uh, insulting LaVisca in ways that I would not. Okay, there you go. Sounds good. <laughs> that is Wes Bryant telling you about LaVisca Chenault being, uh, is he a Jag uh, or is he, is he worse yes, than a Jag? he's a Jag. Okay, there you go. Steve Smith, word to 89. <laughs> it's Wes and Walker. Let's shrop it like it's hot before Age we get to some shrop props, if you will. Go ahead, shrop it. All right, so I'm just going to go down this long list here of headlines. So, Damian Harris is out of the hospital from last night's game. Quote, he will be fine. Uh, Moving on to college basketball. Kansas, clear number one in AP preseason poll. Brock Bowers is having surgery after his ankle sprain. So that's that's a massive L for Georgia right there. It is indeed. And cricket and flag football are being added to the <laughs> 2028 Olympic uh, Olympic sports. Oh, flag football. I think that'll be interesting mm-hmm. uh, to put to it. Just like how they've added three-on-three basketball mm-hmm. uh, in the past years uh, recently. So, uh, But anyway, as far as that news goes with Kansas uh, being number one, I mean, what else do we expect? But Duke uh, is number two. And then uh, the Tar Heels, when you check out this poll, they're at number 19. So uh, that's an interesting part about that. College basketball right around the corner. All right. Yeah. Three ACC teams, I believe, in the top 25. We'll see how Fitty's heels can move on yeah, up Miami from that 13. ranking. Miami number 13 as well. All right. Let's move on. We have the Strop Prop results coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's a segment we debuted a couple of weeks ago. The Shrop Props, the over-unders we bet on with Adam Thielen over-unders. We had a Brian Burns, a key over-under with Brian Burns that dictated a winner because me and Wes, we agreed on literally everything else. It was all going to come down (laughs) to whether Brian Burns got just a half sack. He wasn't able to do it. Spoiler. I ended up losing. But I'm not going to tell you any more about the details. That's up to Shroppy, who is in charge of the Shrop props. Go ahead, Shroppy. Let's hear the results. So, yes, Walker did spoil it. (laughs) Wes did get the dub. So you guys are tied at one apiece now for Shrop's props. So 
tight race going into week three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, so let's go ahead and look at the numbers. Just kind of remind people what, what the lines were at and what they ended up with. Adam Thielen, his line before the game was at five and a half receptions. All of us took the over on that one. He ended up with 11. All right, so let's just stop here because Adam Thielen is going to hit the over on every single mark that we get for the rest of the season. So let's talk about this real quickly. How impressive is it what Adam Thielen is doing right now compared to how much of it is a byproduct of him being the only receiver that Bryce Young is going to throw to and all the targets are funneled towards the guy coming out of the slot? I think uh, there's definitely a lot of that at play here. And you look, he's been targeted 59 times, but it's hard to argue with 49 receptions. And I think part of it is, I think Adam Thielen was rejuvenated. He's had health on his side. And I've always been a fan of his because, for one, I always start with the swag. I feel like his on-field swag is pretty pretty legit. But other He's than a talker. That, yeah, and just, too, the way the, his uniform, like what he wears, the face mask, the visor, the, all the stuff, man, he, he looks pretty sweet out there. But I think this is the guy who understood the assignment. He knew, I'm coming to Carolina. I'm going to be the number one guy. Let me prepare myself to be a number one guy. And he has been in his heyday that, and I think that, I thought I just thought when he came over playing with Justin Jefferson and the numbers that he put up getting 70 catches for 700 yards playing next to a guy that's targeted as much as Justin Jefferson is, I felt like 70 catches last year with six touchdowns and 700 yards, I thought as a number two guy, I thought that was going to translate well to him coming to a team and being the number one guy because he played in all 17 games last year, and I just felt if he was healthy, he was going to be the de facto guy, and he's been making the most of his opportunity. Oh, yeah. Look, this is no shade. If we didn't have Adam Thielen in the passing game, then we would have zero passing game in Carolina. So the fact that he's bringing in all of these catches, it's fantastic. The reason I didn't think Adam Thielen was going to hit 1,000, he's going to hit 1,600 maybe. But the reason I didn't... pace for 1,444. Yeah. Well, and again... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How many catches is he on pace for? Is he going to lead the league? I mean, it's going to be Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson with 2,000 yards and a million catches. And Thielen is going to have that number of catches, but he's going to have 1,400. Because it's not that he's Jarvis Landry out there. I won't do him the Jarvis Landry dirty. But I will say that he's not. I mean, he has the big play in the 27, but mostly it's just get past the sticks. So with Adam Thielen right now, I thought that his production would be a little mitigated by the fact that they're going to throw it a little bit to DJ Chark. Hayden Hurst has been non-existent. Nah. Just not doing anything. I'll take the L on that one. Well, I mean, it's, but this is how it is. Like, it's just Hurst is a non-factor. DJ Chark, for the most part, a non-factor. Mingo had, what, two catches yesterday? Mm-hmm. TMJ not involved. They forget to play him. And then when he is in there, he's not going to bring in any receptions. All of that is, all right, Thielen. You're up. He's on pace for over 145 catches. 147. (laughs) 147 to be exact. That's Marvin Harrison territory. (laughs) I mean, think 145 receptions. That is that is brain melting. Yeah. That is crazy. For a dude that's 33, too. And not only that, teams know when you come in, he's the guy to stop. Adam Thielen, the over every single game going forward. Yep. All right, let's get to the one that really decided who was going to win this one here, Shrabi. Yeah, so the Brian Burns, he needed .25 sacks. He just needed an assist on one. Wes didn't believe he was going to do it, and you did, and he ended up shot. with a big old goose egg. Nope, yep. Yeah, yeah, by the way, bagel guy, right, Jefferson out. So, of course, he's not going to hit 2,000 yards, but we know he would have that opportunity. Yeah, Brian Burns, not recording a sack, not recording a half sack, and this all leads to the conversation really... Are they going to trade him? 
as far as any personnel move they can make, trading Brian Burns would be the biggest move, even if you're not going to get two first-rounders and a third like you were going to get if you traded with the Rams last year. You would still get a first-round pick. You would still get a nice haul to reset the stage going into the next season. So Brian Burns... You say you haven't felt him in a while. We're talking about Brian Burns not getting home as much as we want. I know. Fitty is laughing somewhere, 100%. But here we are with Brian Burns being a little quiet after what was a dominant performance and even Seattle against Atlanta. Even Seattle, he was good, Wes. What do you make of what Brian Burns is doing right now? He's on pace for about 12 sacks, I think, though, at the rate that he's going. But it's just kind of the disappearing acts, man. And I know it's hard to get a sack every single game, but he's legit going on the trajectory of a sack every other game. And he's only got one multiple sack game going for him this season. And there's some plays, man, that, you know, you watch the tangible plays, the ones that you can see him actually making the tackle or getting the sack, man. But there are some plays like uh, it was one touchdown. Most of got tight end comes out, happened to him twice. Tight end pulls, hits him. Not much resistance, not much physicality. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, out there with him at times, man. And, uh, you know, guys' demeanors and morale can go down, especially when you know you're losing and it's looking like an uphill climb. So I don't know what to say about him at this point, but he has just not been uh, as physical or uh, I haven't seen those improvements where he's able to dominate tackles on a down-in, down-out basis like I've been saying forever. Uh, that he needed to get to that place in his game. All right, with apologies to the special teamers on the Shrop Prop list, especially the headbutter that is Johnny Hecker. Let's just go rapid fire with the rest of the props that we went with last weekend, except for the special teamers. Okay, yeah, so we had Bryce Young. His line was scary close. They had it set at 216 and a half. All of us went over. He ended up with 217. Barely, boy. They know, don't they? Well, it looked like he was going to get it very early on. Again, he was 5 for 5 in the first quarter, 75 yards, was 8 of 9 in the first nine passing attempts. But, yeah, then it started to slow down a little bit, as we all saw. What's the last one we have here? Is there any more? Last one is Jonathan Mingo. He was at 26 and a half reception yards. All of us took the over on that one. He only ended up with 21 on the I was the about day. to say, I knew it was going to be close after the second reception, so just another disappointment with Jonathan Mingo. You'd like to see him get more. It's not happening for Mingo as we head into the bye, so we'll see what happens with some of these other skill players. And if there's any more changes coming, we got one officially. Frank Reich handing over play-calling responsibilities to the offensive coordinator in Thomas Brown. That'll do it for the 1 o'clock hour. Let's go back to the college football scene. On the other side of the break was UNC's win over Miami. The win to realistically launch their college football playoff campaign. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.